We are now three weeks into our Epiphany sermon series, and we are focusing on what it means to grow up with us in Christ, here at Christ the Redeemer, and we are addressing that idea through various aspects of being and making disciples. Two weeks ago, I began by talking about the baptism of Jesus explaining how as God has united himself to us by taking on flesh, by becoming human, he has also showed us that we become united to him in baptism by giving us his Holy Spirit at baptism. And then we saw how Jesus' baptism contains a missional component, the mission of making disciples. Because the goal that God has in mind with us is not simply union with him, but that we would also become like him. Growing up into mature manhood, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or here as we say at Christ the Redeemer, growing up with us in Christ. And so last week, Father Charles focused on the call to discipleship, how Jesus went about the countryside calling individuals and groups and ultimately everyone to himself, to heed his words of love and to join him on his journey both to and ultimately through the cross. And as Jesus now begins his earthly ministry of making disciples, today it is the disciples who come into focus. The people Jesus gathered around himself, that ragtag band of sinners, become saints. And the ones, let us never forget this, who literally changed the world for Jesus. So I've titled today's sermon, The Community of Disciples or Discipleship. And in this message, we are going to look at Jesus and we're going to look at his disciples. But as we do, I also want us to look at and to think about ourselves and our own relationship with Jesus. Because sometimes I think when people hear about St. Peter and St. Paul or Billy Graham, or Mother Teresa. And when we hear words like disciple or apostle, we can paint perhaps an erroneous picture in our minds of these mythical type figures, of these pristine-like people who do great things that we ourselves could never do. And maybe that comes from a place of fear, that God might call me to sell everything I have and to move to Africa for the rest of my life, yes. Or perhaps more deeply rooted, it comes from a place of guilt or shame or judgment. In other words, that if God really saw who I am, that if I confessed not just my fears but also my faults, and even my failures, that God would never choose me because God could never use me. After all, just look at my life. 
I'm still struggling with this sin. Or I can't break that habit. Yes. And if that sounds something like you, if you've had those kinds of thoughts or even other thoughts, can I say this to you? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. As my mother loves to say and still says, thank you, mom. Oh, buddy's nerfect. We're all a mess. We all have our flaws. But can I tell you something else? Maybe the main thing I want us to hear this morning, that God is for you. That God is for you, not against you. He loves you and He wants to use you. In fact, hear this also, it is actually through your brokenness. It's actually through our brokenness that God wants to make something beautiful. Now today's gospel is simple and straightforward. It begins with Jesus and His preaching of the good news. The time is fulfilled, He says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now is the time. God is here. God has come among us. God has a face. God has a name. And his name is Jesus. And the message is this to all of us, even right here this morning. Don't wait. If you've been believing the wrong thing, Look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, spend time with Jesus, get to know Jesus, and He will help you. He will help you believe the right things about Him, about yourself, about ourselves, and about this world that He has made. And as this happens... You, I, we will begin to experience what we call salvation. His love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, His favor, even His victory over sin and death because the gospel means good news. And in a world that loves to make a living on bad news, Jesus is telling us, He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And it is good. God is for you. God is for you and not against you. Now let's look at what happens next. Right after Jesus makes this declaration, he immediately offers an invitation. The scripture says that he goes walking along the Sea of Galilee He finds Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and then he finds James and his brother John, and he calls them. He says to them, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And note this, friends, and note this carefully, because this is painting a picture for us of ourselves. Without a word without even fully understanding what that means, they rise up and they follow him. And and the point that I would want for us to to ponder this morning is this. 
What, what is it about this Jesus? What is it about Jesus that was so appealing and, and so compelling that without a word and without delay, these men leave everything behind just to be with him? And I think the question for all of us is this. Have we come to that point in our lives where we have looked at him and listened to him? And and in the context of that idea, maybe most importantly, have we pushed all of the other voices out of the way? The self-doubts, the cynics, the, the skeptics, the critics, all of those voices that would want to try to keep us from Jesus. Have we pushed them out of his head and have we simply looked at him and listened to him and just taken him at his word? Where we have realized that Jesus, yes, is calling you because he loves you and he wants to be with you. That's why he came. With that in mind, now let's look at the disciples, the, the ones who Jesus called. Who, who are they? They're not the social elites. They have no political power. They are fishermen. They are tax collector and others. And they argue and they question and they doubt. One of them will betray him. Another will deny him. And at the time of his trial, all of them will abandon him. Now, that sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? I mean, why, why recruit a guy like, let's say, Caesar Augustus? I mean, after all, he's only the ruler of the greatest empire in the world at that time. Why, why would you choose him? Why bother with the powerful and the influential when you can have this cast of characters? The answer, my friend is because it's not about wealth and it's not about worldly power and influence. It is about Jesus Christ and the power of his cross. It is about Jesus Christ and the power of his cross. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and salvation, and sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. Let those who boast, boast in the Lord. These words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Because as it turns out, according to God, that's exactly the plan. And there is no other plan. God chooses ordinary people. 
God chooses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes so that those who boast will boast in the Lord. What does Paul mean when he says that? What does it look like to boast in the Lord? It looks like a woman who was caught in adultery. And then she ran and told her entire town about how Jesus had healed her. It looks like a man who murdered Christians, and then when he met Jesus, he spent the rest of his life making Christians. It looks like prostitutes and demoniac, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the poor, the outcast, and others we meet in Scripture who did one thing. They allowed Jesus to touch them in their place of brokenness that he might make it into something beautiful. It looks like a slave owner who found Jesus and then freed his slaves and wrote the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. It looks like a lawyer in England who was an atheist, but when he found Jesus, he authored the Alpha Course that has helped innumerable people around the world find and strengthen their faith in Jesus Christ. It looks like a black minister born in the Deep South who pioneered the civil rights movement in the 1960s. It looks like a woman who survived sexual abuse within her own home and became one of the best-known Bible teachers we have today. It looks like a couple of addicts in Arizona who found Jesus and helped someone we love come back to the fold. We call this our testimony. Sharing the salvation of God with others that has set us free from the shame of our sin and the stronghold of death. And it looks like a group of people gathered together in southwest Fort Worth who see themselves as a part of this very same story in the very same way. A people who have heard His voice and instead of running from Him, they have run to Him, giving Him their brokenness and asking Him to turn it into something beautiful. This is what the community of disciples looks like. So here we are on the cusp of another annual meeting. We are entering our 17th year of being together as a church family. And what that means is that we've almost made it through the teenage years. Don't make too much out of that. I hope. Look how far we've come from living rooms to ballrooms, from a shopping center to the purchase of a piece of property where one day a beautiful church building will rise up out of the ground. It will stand as a beacon of light for literally all the world to see. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me. It won't surprise you to know that I drive by it almost every day now. Ask my wife about that after church. I've interrupted a few errands just to go look at the property. And I look at it and I smile and I think and I dream and I pray. I told Father Charles last week, I just, I just stood on the middle of the dirt a week or so ago, right where probably the high altar will be. And I started praying the canon of the mass. It just flowed out of me thinking about what will be. 
I pray, as I know you do. I pray for the 35,000 cars a day that drive right by that little piece of real estate. I pray for the people in the apartments next door. I pray for the businesses across both of the streets. I pray for all of the people who are and will be involved in the project, from the architect to the demo crew, the construction company, the contractors, the subcontractors, the laborers, the vineyards, the vendors, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. All of these two, all of these two are playing a part to make this happen. People we may never meet, may, may never know, but prayerfully through being involved in the, in the building of a church, they might see and find Jesus. I pray for the people who will come to Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church, whether it's here or there, whether it's today or tomorrow or even in some future generation. What an incredible thing it is that God has given us to do together for His praise and for His glory. But underneath it all, I pray for us, for you, and for me. And this is my prayer, and it's, it's really pretty simple when you get right down to it. I pray that when Jesus calls us, because He calls all of us, that we too will hear Him. And we will, we will take time to listen to Him. That we ourselves will silence every other voice, voice because that too can be the challenge for a blockhead like me. And then without a word, that we ourselves will rise up and follow Him. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, Cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come.